Hello, welcome to the Road Point Exchange. This is your host for the evening, Adam, and today I'm joined by my friends, and we're going to talk about our Gen Con 2023 experiences and everything that led up to it and the four magical days of gaming that took place. So, uh, joining me, said friends are, alphabetically, that puts me first. Uh, hi, everybody. This is David. This is Jeremy. This is Joe. I'm so glad you guys could join me this year at Gen Con. We, since COVID hit in 2020, just kind of went to shit and all that. It's just, we've been kind of flying half staff uh, with con attendance with our, our user group of friends that we go and play with. And uh, this year was looking especially daunting, but I was so glad that you guys were able to join me. Uh, I'll go ahead and jump into stuff here. Mine's an easy prep because I think I have sans Jeremy because Jeremy has an easier trip to Indianapolis. I just, I live in Eastern Kentucky. Gen Con is about a three and a half hour trip. So I didn't have to make any big plans or whatnot. This isn't my first rodeo though. I always forget shit. That's like, I, I think I know it. I've did t- over the past Six years of doing a podcast, I think we've done two or three pre-Gen Con episodes where we talk about preparing. You think I know what the fuck I'm doing, but I don't. I just act like I do, you know. But, I mean, I, I got the kids. That was kind of important, kind of a big deal breaker. So I got the, we, we got the kids prepped. Uh, we had to do, my daughters this year wanted to take part in the uh, Gen Con cosplay parade. And my darling, lovely wife spent quite a bit of time making costumes. And so it kind of ate up a lot of our lucky space on the way up. We we had hit the Gen Con hotel lottery because my wife is lucky. Not just because she married me and I'm such an amazing catch, but because they always tend to draw her name for the first five minutes of the hotel lottery. I mean, I, just, I left with a backpack full of protein bars and uh, two six-packs of pop or soda, as you may call it, in other parts of the States. And... A tablet. I mean, I, I decided to try and recording equipment that we never use, but I decided to kind of travel real light and then drove up through Cincinnati and over to Indianapolis. It's kind of a kind of an easy, easy peasy kind of thing. I, like I said, I did forget stuff. And at this point, I actually have forgot what I've forgotten. But well, I remember getting leave at least a sock behind to let people know that you were there. <laughs> Well, last year I left my vape stuff and I, <laughs> back at the house. So I was running around like, nah. it, it was a, a little bit of withdrawal, but I had to buy a pack of cigarettes, but twist my arm on that. But yeah, I mean, I, for the most part, everything went pretty easy. Oh, I left my cell phone chargers and my tablet chargers and all that. That was, I think, the biggest inconvenience I had. It, does anyone have more exciting kind of, how did you prep for Gen Con? Well, to be fair, you traveled light, I traveled heavy. But to be fair, um, part of that is because I just don't get around as well as I did anymore. Um, I didn't think that I was ever going to be able to make Gen Con again. But this year, because of a wonderful gift from a very true friend, um, I got to do Gen Con this year. So my buddy Greg decided to pay for my Gen Con and pay for my roommate Christie's Gen Con so that we could all go together because she's never been. And I had said that, you know, with my health being the way that it is and um, 
the lack of sand in my hourglass. I don't know exactly if or when I would ever make it. And so this year he said, I'm going to take you. Well, since I don't walk as well anymore um, for any distance, uh, we decided to look into mobility scooters. And I was thinking about buying one, but I found out that I could rent one for $200. Well, we ended up getting a slightly smaller one because we got it on the way out of town and we went, oh, it may not fit in the SUV. So the one that we got was instead $150, but best $150 I have ever spent pre-Gen Con in my life. Let me tell you, this thing, I went from being the slowest member of the party to being the fastest. Um, Christy jokes, thing yeah. was quick. <laughs> I had the zoomies and half the time I wasn't even at full rabbit. Like I still had it like mostly on turtle and we had an unexpected fourth because we didn't know that um, we were going to be bringing Brandon until we managed to luck him into a um, position with envoy. And so we had Brandon and Brandon's luggage And then we also decided that to mitigate some of the food costs, we were going to bring some meals because our hotel was going to be within easy walking distance. And so we brought um, basically four suppers worth of stuff with us to cook in the room. And that's going to be fun uh, when we get to that part. But we also hit Costco for all of the snacks. And um, we still have a little bit of trail mix. We still have a bit of um, the protein nut bars, and we've still got about half a box of the fruit snacks. And yes, Christy was right. We're not going to go through 90 fruit snacks in a con. <laughs> Speak for yourself. Oh, had I'm a diabetic. Had I eaten that entire box of fruit snacks, I would have been left in the middle of the street at Indy screaming about how I can see colors and it's raining tacos. <laughs> it's a good thing I didn't. Listen, you need somebody to take care of some fruit snacks for you later on. You know. <laughs> I know a guy. <laughs> I know a guy who could, who could get that, you know, take care of that issue for you. Some bunch of fruit snacks you got there. It'd be a shame if something were to happen to them. It'd be a shame if they went on eating. <laughs> I would have just passed them out to everybody, but I was told no fair. Just yeah. kind of going, does anybody want food? There's fruit snacks in the bag of holding. Yeah, so my uh, adventure getting to Gen Con started several months ago when I realized I forgot to book my preferred mode of travel train to the con uh, and then looked at tickets and realized a one-way ticket there would cost just as much as uh, a two uh, a round-trip flight. Uh, and then I purchased a round-trip flight. Uh, for whatever reason... Airlines have decided to stop flying directly from Philadelphia to Indianapolis. And I had a, a short stop in uh, mighty Chicago's O'Hare Airport. Um, let me tell you, if you're landing in O'Hare, 40-minute layover is not really enough time. Uh, those gates could be pretty far away. <laughs> Don't do that. And uh, staying at uh, Gen Con... Uh, I know a guy who is uh, VIG, so they get like first track at the uh, at the lottery, and they usually wind up staying in the uh, JW Marriott. So it's uh, it's a really kind of a uh, 
I wind up in a in a room with this guy and then four or three other people he knows that I don't know, <laughs> which is an occasionally awkward situation. But you know what? Whatever. I only ever see them when it's time to go to bed, so it's fine. Uh, yeah, and be- if when I fly in, I don't really take anything. It's just you know, suitcases full of clothes and maybe an extra suitcase for to bring stuff back with. Yeah. Mine, uh, my my Gen Con prep was literally remembering that Gen Con was about two weeks after I remembered it was, it was going on, and uh, I mean that since I live in the area, it was oh I got to get a ticket, and that's that's about as far as it went. <laughs> I like, went and did I did the same did the same thing that David did as far as uh, Costco for snacks and uh, buying food for anyone that may look hungry at any point in time during the con. Uh, but other than that, mine's mine's pretty boring. It's it's about an hour drive, and that's yeah. I mean that, that's about that's about the uh, the extent of it. So I've noticed a weird thing in the drive. Uh, I refuse to go through Louisville for many of the reasons. Uh, I'm you know getting too close to Chris. I can just feel the negative. I'm just joking. Uh, he'll probably listen to this. <laughs> but uh, you can feel him scowling from here. Yeah. So I always go through Cincinnati. I just prefer the drive anyway and whatnot. But I don't know if you've ever, I say you probably haven't, maybe you have, Jeremy, but if you go from Indianapolis to Cincinnati, there's like one spot of road where you're in Ohio, and then you're in a, you're in Indiana, and then you're in Ohio, and then you're in Indiana. And it goes on like that for several miles, and you're, you have your GPS welcoming you like, welcome to Ohio, drive five miles down the road, welcome to Indiana. So, I mean... That was the excitement that we had. We didn't get to see the corn, though I'm sure that with David's trip, you got to go through the cornfields? Oh, we did. Um, We got to go through the sea of corn. You know, uh, when you get through the northern part of Indiana up near Terre Haute Mm -hmm. and um, Effingham. Um, Effingham was definitely worth it because of the, um, the giant, giant cross. So we're traveling. Greg didn't remember the cross because he's passed it enough times that it's like, yeah, it's kind of passe. It's kind of there. Um, I remembered it because we had two newbies who had never seen the giant cross standing out of the middle of the sea of corn. And one of them is a bit on the religious side. Um, since Brandon is a Jehovah's Witness, I kind of thought, Oh, this is going to be funny. I want to see what his reaction is without any prompting. And as we get close to the cross, I'm like, oh, yeah, so the cross is going to be up ahead. Um, pretty sure there's a poke stop on it. And Christy's like, oh, so there's going to be a. And so she's looking out the side, and all of a sudden I hear Brandon go, what in the name of? I'm like, oh, so you saw the little cross, did you? And he's like, that is not a little cross, sir. It should have been you. You guys should have just played it off like you didn't see it. What cross? I mean, I mean, there's not a cross, cross? out there. What are you talking about? It'd be like not seeing the big butter Jesus before it got caught, got struck by lightning. <laughs> the Lord struck down big butter Jesus in Southern Ohio. Yeah, boy, yep. Brandon just needs to remember that back in the seventies, Indiana was plagued with the vampires, and so we had to put that giant cross up there. I'm gonna have to tell him that one. <laughs> It just see how quickly he falls out because it was, it was hilarious to me just to see the reaction. 
and just why didn't you warn me beforehand? Because you were going to make that face. <laughs> and I, I'm I'm not an asshole, but I do have those moments where it's like, you know, I'm going to do this just because I can get a rise out of you. And, and it was worth it. So, so this is our first time going to the Northeast? This was, yeah. I I know that Brandon has been to Illinois, and I think that that is the farthest he's made it until now. Hmm. Wait, wait. Did you just call Indiana the Northeast? <laughs> well, it, well, yeah, I guess, even though it's more west than I am currently. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> I don't think I'm very far east. Look, I, in my mind, guys, I live in my own little world called, called Appalachia. Okay? It's just like... We don't believe in other states down here. Oh, it always irritated me that everybody refers to like us as like Midwest. So yeah. it's just like it's like there's the East Coast where there's an ocean lapping at your feet, and then if you walk 300 yards away, it's like you're in the Midwest all of a sudden. Yeah, that's not how I would describe Kentucky and Tennessee. That would just be the like either it would be Appalachia or the South, uh, whereas <laughs> the 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 more southern states are the Deep South. Yeah. I keep wanting to say that Missouri is central U.S., but they technically consider us to be Midwest. And I'm like, we are quite possibly the most landlocked of landlocked states. I I know that we have a number of shark attacks per year that is a non-zero number, but that's because bull sharks are crazy and there's the Mississippi River. Um, that That's different. Like, we're about the most central of states you could possibly get. And we tr- touch nine other central states. That That's how it is. We're in the middle is where we are. I think if you have Confederate cemeteries in your state, then you're, you're, you're the South. Well, we do, but we've also got Union uh, states. Adam, let me let you in on a little Civil War secret. We mostly <laughs> fought ourselves. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Missouri was kind of a mess. <laughs> like, there is a Civil War battlefield not far from where I live called Wilson's Creek. And if you look into the history of that, there were some blue uniforms and some gray uniforms, mostly from different parts of Missouri. And they just saw different uniforms and started shooting without realizing, oh, wait, that those are our neighbors. And then some of them realized, hey, those are our neighbors and just kept shooting. Like, <laughs> those are our neighbors. <laughs> Get off my lawn. I'm sorry, listeners, for taking us down that road. It just so, even though we only had like three hours of driving, I was the second shortest distance to travel. I think I was perhaps the last one to get to the convention center because I know you guys kind of got together. I have a family that live up in Indiana, at Indianapolis in particular, so. Went out and did the family thing, and we usually try not to get up there because I'm traveling with two children before hotel check-in kind of kicks in. So I, I got in that evening, and I got to miss some of the fun. I think one thing I would like to kind of point out before I turn this over to you all is the line seemed, dude, it seemed so short for me. Now, I did, when I got to Indianapolis, and I did meet up with, uh, everybody 
or I think everybody except Joe. I don't think we, I saw you that first day, Joe. I think you'd already left uh, when I made it in the convention hall, but. Uh, yeah. I hung out with David for most of the evening. I think they went back to their hotel at around 11, 1130 or something like that. And usually, I mean, it's a lot, even at midnight, there's a line that's going outside the door of the convention center out to near that where that baseball park is. And I was able to basically get in line right before you actually start going to the booth. So, I mean, I was able to actually get through everything super quick. You know, the line you... moved really fast this year. And <laughs> ours took a little bit of time. Um, because basically we had that snafu of the um, the hotel lost our reservation, and so we had to scramble. And instead of getting the hotel that was right within walking distance, um, we ended up having to stay at a uh, Staybridge Suites that was about 23 minutes away. And I know that this is my crazy millennial sensibilities, but I will tell you that the Staybridge Suites we stayed in was absolutely wonderful. It was a very comfortable room had a lovely breakfast. The staff were amazing. And then the hotel that we didn't get to stay in, I'm not going to be negative about them, but I'm not going to tell you who it was either. I'm just going to leave that we were going to stay close, and then we didn't. But um, we basically decided to do a little bit of divide and conquer because Brandon's room was elsewhere. Uh, He ended up staying at the downtown Marriott. and. he had to go to the envoy room and get checked in with them. And that's where he was going to get his badge. But I figured that while Greg and Christy were getting the room all squared away, I would wait in the badge line. And that way I could get our badges and everything was going to be all fine and hunky dory. But Greg ended up waiting in line with me also so that we could just pass through it as quick as we could, get everything all lined up. And then he went and took care of the room. But we went through that line super fast. It, I barely had time to pause. Like, my thought was, I'm on a scooter. I have a chair. I, I get to sit down, and I don't have to wait very long in the line. But we just flew through it. And um, not only was the line super, super fast this year, but then I also met that staffer. And the one time that I met this old man was on that first day. He, he came up to me outside of the line and he said, did you get your ADA band yet? And when I told him, no, I hadn't, um, I wasn't sure that I needed it because scooter, like I, I've got a thing I can sit on. I should be fine for the rest of the con. And he leans down, looks me dead in the face and says, Sonny, you need to get your ADA band. It will give you power. And after that, I had to get the band. I mean, that level of gravitas tells me I need this band. I don't know what it's going to do for me, but oh boy, do I need it. <laughs> what does the band do, David? Do you want to know what the power of the band is? <laughs> we do, we do. Tell us, Uncle David. Tell us your stories. I got to go into the dealer room early. I got to go into the dealer room with all of the other folks who were in need of the ADA bands. And... um An extra 15-minute head start may not seem like a lot, but it's an eternity if you know how to use it. Um, And it also let me bypass 
one of the longest lines of the year. And that was the Lorcana line mm-hmm. because oh, of insane. the band. Oh yeah. It stretched the length of the convention center five times when it was at its longest. Well, people were lining up the day before to be in line to do the demos for Lorcana. The, so if they were if they closed at six, there were people sitting there at six waiting for the next morning. Yes. For those that are unfamiliar, what is Lorcana? Well, Lorcana is a collectible card game, and I know that people say, "Well, it's a CCG. Is it as good as Magic?" Well, here's the thing: um, that's not the benchmark to hold it up against because it's not just a card game. It is a super califragilistic Disneylicious card game. <laughs> the value of these cards is only going to go up in time. And this was the pre-release event. And there was a meeple that you could get for playing in the demos, and that was a Stitch meeple. But if you bought anything from the booth, anything at all, there was also a promo card, and it was Mickey. And that alone explains why there are people who were willing to sacrifice a day or two or three of their Gen Con just to go through this line. I flashed my little blue band and I got right past all of the line. So when he said, it will give you power, he was not kidding. Um, here, here's what I used my ADA band for, the, the two big things. Um, I got into the dealer room one day, just a little bit early, so that I could get the expansion to a game called Distilled. Um, Thursday, they had a limited number of these expansions, and they sold out before Greg could make it there. Friday, same thing. And he got into that dealer room at about noon. And by noon, they had already sold out for the day. And so he said on uh, Saturday to me and Christy, would one of you be willing to go into the dealer room for me because I have an event right at 10? And I said... Greg, I I've got the golden ticket. I've got I've got the band that lets me get in early. He said, "How how, how can you get in early?" And I said, "Because I'm crippled." <laughs> and uh, so it came to pass. And while I'm waiting in line to get in to get this distilled, and just to set the scene for you, um, I just boogied right on past all of the people waiting to get in, and I get up to the front, and they said, "Well." Uh, to your immediate right. And so I turned to my right and there are in front of me, there were a couple that had cochlear implants. Then in front of them, there was a lady who had a disorder where she had tremors. I would assume Parkinson's or Parkinson's like. Um, And then in front of her was a young man who looked absolutely fit, like he could bench press a Buick. And then I looked down and I went, that leg is made out of wood. So I'm, noticing that all of us that are in the cripple line that's what i call it i i know that that is a horrible thing please don't hate um so while i'm getting in line with all of the other folks that are slightly less able um i run into a lady who i had talked to the first day about scooters and she was the one that clued me into the whole lorcana thing because she asked me what i was going to be waiting in line for and when i told her she said, oh, okay, well, make sure that you hit Lorcana later. And I went, well, there's no way that I'm going to get past that line. And she puts a hand on my shoulder, and she says, sweetie, you've got the blue band. You don't have to wait in line. You just go to the back of the booth, flash that band, and they will put you right on in. 
It reminds me of like, come on, Charlie, Uncle Joe is going to show you the show you the chocolate factory. Come with me, and you'll see entire world of line cutting domination. No. <laughs> and to be fair, it was still a short wait, but there were like three of us in that little zone. There was a lady with a really bad anxiety disorder. There was a man who couldn't walk more than 10 steps without aid. And then I'm parked next to them on my scooter. And I said, you know, this kind of does feel like cheating. And then the young lady with the anxiety disorder said, so why exactly do you think it feels like cheating? She says, if you don't mind me asking, why do you have your band? And I said, well, I know that it's a little bit invisible. I say while sitting on a scooter with a collapsible cane in the basket of it. But I told her that, you know, I've got seven organs in different states of failure. And um, to be fair, this is right at the two-year mark when I had a diagnosis of six months. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I'm doing good. I feel like I'm living my best life. But I also know that I didn't have nearly the energy that I used to. And yeah, bypassing that Lorcana line with that ADA band is the best example of, no, this is power. I mean, it's hard-fought power, but it's it's still power. Yeah. I, and I you were, had an opportunity to make people happy. Like You, oh, you picked yeah. up a couple things that other people wouldn't have been able to get to. So and I mean, even if it felt like cheating a little bit, you definitely made a couple people's Gen Cons just by being able to sneak in 10 minutes early. Yeah. Well, not just that, but um, um, Sam Johnson said something uh, to me. He said that he came down this Gen Con just to see me. And that first night that we actually got to hang out, uh, I was zooming to White Castle just minding my own business. Because, of course, I'm going to get White Castle when I can in Indy. Um, And Sam is on the other side of the wall, and he sees me just zooming past. And so he chased me down, trying to catch up with me. I was a man on a mission. I, I didn't even <laughs> see him. I didn't know he was there. And he was running through the crowd, trying to catch up. Blinded by the thought of sliders. Blinded by the thought of sliders. And so we finally catch up with each other. And he says, do you know how long I have been trying to catch you? I'm like, <laughs> no, I don't. But I am so glad to see you. We end up getting... um of Crave Case, and we're heading back over to the convention center, I find out that the um, sidewalk along a stretch of street is broken. And so I went, you know what? I'm just going to get right here onto Illinois Avenue, and I'm just going to drive the 50 feet on my scooter. I ended up playing with chicken, or playing chicken with four different cars. And since they all swerved first, I think I won. But... Uh, <laughs> I know that I took about a month off of my life and at least a year off of poor Sam because he's following behind the scooter holding onto the grave case. Like, David, what in the world? <laughs> like, there's not a ramp up onto this side, so it's okay. I know what I'm doing. I'm just going to get up here in like 50 feet. He's, there are cars. <laughs> I can hear Sam saying that. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but, yeah, that's that's part of the fun of it, you know. Yeah. Jeremy, did you have much uh, along with uh, getting tickets and getting into Indianapolis, like any trouble or anything noteworthy? Uh, nothing really noteworthy. Uh, I'll, I will expound on what you guys said about the will call line is I've been going to Gen Con. I, the only ones I've missed, I've missed the last couple of years. 
just due to the the pandemic and and the rebuild after that. But I've never seen a will call line move that well. Normally, oh, yeah. like you said, there's a there's a line going out the building and down the street. This time they had people constantly moving. And I at one point in time I thought the merchandise line was the will call line because it was longer. Yeah. And that tripped me out. Okay. Well, but what about but, you, Joe? I'll go ahead and keep finish uh, up, Jeremy. Well, I was gonna say, but other than that, no, nothing really, nothing really in particular. Um, I was just, I came down into, came downtown whenever I found out everybody was in town and started meeting up with everybody. Okay. How about yourself, Joe? Did you have any trouble getting from the airport and getting settled and Gen Con's will call line and whatnot? No, that all went pretty smoothly for me, fortunately. Um, Wednesday, I guess, is the day to get will call. I try, I try and avoid will call, but I, I bought some, some tickets late, so I did have to go there. Um, and uh, yeah, it moved pretty fast. It was a long line, but it moved quickly. I was, yeah. I was fortunate in that, certainly. And this is kind of transition us over to the big four days that we were kind of talking about. Thanks to uh, you wonderful listeners for tuning into the podcast and us. Like I have always had a lot of good fortune with uh, Gen Con. I get a press pass for the podcast. And uh, I could, they don't do the wheel call for the press pass. You got to go to the press booth, which is actually, man, it's pretty sweet. Thank you all again for you know listening and subscribing and whatnot to the RPX. Because if it wasn't for you, I'd have had to bought another ticket. Uh, I did have to, we went ahead and my, my daughter is of age now that I have to buy a ticket for one of my children. She doesn't get in free. So, you know, I got to, one badge out of three badges was free and the will call, I mean, not will call, excuse me, the pre, uh, Indies press room, super simple to go through, get your stuff and they have coffee in there. And if any of you all know me, I, I <laughs> you know how much I drink coffee. So it was kind of like an oasis what we did. I have never in my life sat through the opening day because I always, we had panels occasionally or I was going to panels or just, I have never in the probably six times I've been to Gen Con ever got in the big line. I was like, I'm going to do it this year. I, I want to experience it. You, you, you picked a, you picked a good one. Oh Lord. It was, I I'm claustrophobic, but it's more like enclosed places. People, it wasn't super suffocating and whatnot, but it was uh, getting into that throng and going in there was, it, it was certainly, it was interesting. I'd lost my family. I'd went down beforehand to get my badge and I was trying to find them and it was, it took a while to get in there, but it was amazing just seeing it. I've been there on like a Sunday when I, they do the walk. I mean, walk, don't run, blow chant, which I don't think they did it this year. But then again, I was kind of far off and I didn't get to hear it. But this was my first year actually making it into the deer hall within 30 minutes of everything beginning. And I got to, I mean, it was a madhouse. Uh, aisles were packed as normal, even on that particular, at that particular time. I did get to run through and do a little bit of shopping, so... I found uh, copies of a copy of uh, Dreamhounds of Paris, which is for Trail Cthulhu. Picked it up for ten bucks. That's awesome. Oh, it's—I mm-hmm. mean, 
I didn't get it from the Pilgrim booth. They, it was an, another party. It was there selling stuff. They had like tons of little games. They had like the Gumshoe. Um, oh, excuse me, the Nice Black Agent Solo. They had it. I can't remember the company I had, but they had it for like ten dollars and whatnot. And I got to do a little bit of shopping, but I was very aware that I wanted my money to last. I I knew I would be going back, so I think I just like picked up one one book in the very beginning on that first day. That was kind of my my start of it. I did end up playing a couple of games, and I know we'll go we can go over swag in a in a bit more um, throughout this con experience. I didn't really get to attend any panels or whatnot. I was doing things with the family and hanging out with my friends and whatnot. I did sign up for three games over the course of those four magical days of gaming, and you know it's kind of funny. I I grew up on the internet. I teach computer classes and programming, all this kind of stuff. And I had never had a lot of luck with the Gen Con app. And this is something I want to kind of mention to you all here. It, in the previous year, I, it was kind of spotty. Well, David mentioned he had a game going on. I was like, I think I'll just walk over and just sit at the table. I didn't think I had anything going on. And I'm sitting at the table watching David wreak havoc on the GM. Not maliciously, but he was uh, throwing some wrenches into the into that poor game master's uh, plans. It seemed like. Hey, if you hand me a pregen for a trickster god and don't expect me to play a trickster god, that's on you. <laughs> and when you give me a pregen for a trickster god, and you give Greg a pregen for a trickster god, and let Christy play with us and just bounce off of the pair of us like a ping pong ball. Uh, you you kind of set up the recipe for your own disaster. It, it, <laughs> not gonna lie, it's the pun was strong with us that morning. So he he unknowingly just chose the form of his own destroyer. Yes, it just popped in there. <laughs> when I was sitting at the table with David, it occurred to me, oh, I installed the app, and when I installed it and logged into it, it immediately said, hey, you got a game that you're supposed to get me to. So the three games I signed up to play the Gen Con, I missed it. I signed up for a game of Oh Gods of Appalachia. I was looking forward to it because I was going to do an Appalachian accent at the table, and I thought that would be a lot of fun. But <laughs> a big stretch. Yeah, big stretch. I, I, mean, I don't talk. know how you could manage that one. <laughs> well, I'm a method actor. I'm kind of, you know, <laughs> I take my craft seriously. So the app, by the way, was wonderful. My ability to tell time and deal with digital tickets as opposed to, like, tangible tickets I'm a little embarrassed of myself on that one, but I got to do that. Uh, not do that, but I did get to play in a game of uh, Everyday Heroes, which is, it. I think it just released last year, but it's a 5e system for, uh, I think, what was the, I can't remember what the predecessor to it was, but it's just, it's a 5e version uh, D- of... D20 Modern. D20 Modern. And yeah. they, the cool thing that they have with those, I mean, it's just, You've got classes, D and D armor class, et cetera, et cetera, kind of stuff like that. But they release modules, so that are based on the film. As it turns out, Jeremy's got an inside track with uh, Evil Genius, <laughs> which is the producers or publishers of that game or creators. I'm using my words kind of loosely there because I don't know which word aptly applies. But uh, they have like you know. Kong Skull Island. I think they just released Highlander. I think there's a Rambo, a Universal Soldier, Pacific Rim. So, with all the products that uh, 
Evil Genius has for Everyday Heroes. I signed up for The Crow, being the child of the 90s. And what I thought it would be, it would be great to play in it. And God bless the GM for this, or whoever designed this scenario that they were running. I think it was something that was kind of put out to everybody. Is that they decided that if you're playing a crow game, you're gonna everybody wants to be the crow. And in this particular game, or, you know, you're an immortal, like a revenant, if you want to call them or something like that. But it was basically like an oops all crows, but it was <laughs> dip. Different spirit animals, like there was a a butterfly, and uh, I know that there's a, a serpent, and there's there's uh, several others that are inspired by the the movie and the, the TV series and whatnot. But I had a lot of I had a lot of fun with it, and I would I have got a copy of Everyday Hero on PDF, and I, I may <laughs> I enjoyed it to the point that I thought I may actually pick up a hard copy of it sometime. I was just kind of being a little more conscientious with my purchase. And I think the other game that I played that I enjoyed, well, I enjoyed them all that I played, but the only one I, the other one I got to take part in was Swords of the Serpentine, which I had played previous to its launch, but uh, I'm wanting to run it for RPX, so I thought, well, hell, this would be a great time just to you know, play it and kind of take another run at it from a player's point of view. And it was a wonderful scenario where, I, did, I mean, I had a lot of fun. And I was, it was a murder mystery set in Eversink. And they gave my preaching character my passion with knitting. So I carried knitting needles. And if you, you know, this was Chekhov's knitting needles. If you see them on a character sheet, you know I'm going to stab somebody in the throat with them by the end of the session, which I did. So I caught a win. So I can't say enough good things. You give anybody a set of knitting needles on their character sheet and they don't go, I'm going to stab a bitch with these or I'm going to knit a scarf. It was or, hey, you know, John Spartan. John Spartan was a seamstress, and he was the demolition man. So, <laughs> good things from thing, the garden, garden yeah, in the valley, the valley, the valley <laughs> of the jolly green giant. One thing I can say about um, Evil Genius is just for a quick aside, anybody that's thinking about running a game for them, if you sign up for, to run a game for them, they'll actually give the players a a rating card for you. To fill out to kind of gauge how people's doing how their interest and stuff like that, and they base their pay of how much that they pay you on that, and also they gauge who they want to kind of bring back and stuff like that, and just on overall how they how people like the games that they're running. So, if anybody ever ends up looking into running games for Evil Genius, just know that they actually do kind of take people's feedback, uh, seriously. take people's feedback seriously. Yes. Um. Because whether you're playing or whether you're running, they want to know how you're doing. So pe- they know people just aren't phoning it in and how they can improve. So I thought that was really cool. Very player-facing company, for sure. Yes, very much. I regret I hadn't backed it at a physical level to actually get the tangible book. But I, I think I think even though we kind of slide uh, shy away from D20 systems on RPX, that, it was fun. I, You know... Uh, if I, if I could do an all crow campaign, that's great. Kind of crow struck me as something that it's like if you're playing Star Wars. I mean, nobody wants to play Star Wars just to be a stormtrooper or a rebel officer. I mean, you play Star Wars because you want to be a Jedi. And well, the fa- you say that, but on the other hand, um, I can do a lot more as a noble in Star Wars, even the D twenty Star Wars, than some Jedi's can because 
one of the things that I love about D20 is the opportunity to play the skill monkey. And you cannot be a Jedi and actually have a decent number of skills. Like, if you want skills at all, you've got to go a non-Jedi route. And Noble is all about having the skills to do the things. So, yes, Jedi can throw things around with their mind, and they can, you know, call lightning if they want to take those dark side points. But if you want to be able to operate a computer, pilot a spaceship, set a broken bone, um, you need a Noble in the party. So, not to... Not, not to countermand, but I, I get what you're saying. It's a good point. One of the things that they they said, just to kind of expand on everyday heroes, uh, Adam and I both had a really good conversation with one of the authors. His name is Brian Steele. He uh, explained to us that everyday heroes is kind of set to be seasonal. I think the max level he said, correct me if I'm wrong, Adam, but I think they said the max level was 10, and they're kind of set up to be seasons to where everybody would hit level 10, and then they would move on to the next season. Yeah. And then also you could cobble all, if you really wanted to and do a lot of legwork, you could cobble all of the systems together and just make a big amalgamation of all of them. But, or you could take, say something like the Crow and Highlander, you know, you're, you're running around and everybody, one person's the Crow and an Immortal, and then everybody else's normal people at the end of that season, you find out that, you know, you do your redemption arc, the crow ascends to whatever afterlife they go to. And then the next person turns into the crow or gets shot. And then they're investigating that one. But what happens if the person gets shot pops up and turns out to be a Highlander. So you, you, you can kind of bleed into Highlander. So, I mean, they, they're really good about being able to, to kind of build themselves together. It's kind of like what we said whenever we were standing there talking was like, what if you had Skull Island with Pacific Rim Jaeger or Escape from New York on Kong Island or something like yeah. that? Yeah, you can Escape kind of from miss Kong it. Island. That's right. <laughs> Fuck your president. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting out of here. The new president is fuck your president. Now we have a king. King you're Kong. Kong. You're the Kong. King Kong. You're definitely the Kong. <laughs> Now I want to play that, damn it. <laughs> we can make it happen. I mean, why not? I'm going to kind of break up the order here a bit, guys, then. So, Joe. Yes. As I mentioned off mic, I have lived vicariously through your games. I was excited by every choice that I, of game I heard you made. So, if you were going to talk about, you know, excluding uh, the, the swag that we'll all talk about together here at the end, like... What was your four days of gaming experience, and what was uh, what games did you actually take part in? Uh, so I played four games, one each day, except for Sunday. I bounced on that one. So uh, the first game was on Thursday. That was Brindlewood Bay. Brindlewood Bay, if you're not familiar with it, is Murder, She Wrote, plus Miss Marple, Divided by Call of Cthulhu, so you're old. You play old ladies in a tiny town called Brindlewood Bay, and you do mystery solving because you know, like most of these, like in most of this genre, like the local police are pretty incompetent. In the long game, the the PCs slowly uncover some sort of vast mystical cosmic horror conspiracy, but 
you can't really get that in uh, a one shot. So this was a very Brindlewood Christmas. It was hilarious. Uh, we were all Christmas obsessed old ladies, not just mystery obsessed old ladies. And the story was half mystery, half uh, romance. We had to both solve the mystery for uh, who killed the big city lawyer returning to town's father and find her love in a very Hallmark movie-esque fashion. <laughs> we decided our murderer was Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> She did not find love. Uh, it was very fun and very funny. <laughs> Friday was late, late Friday night, I think. Uh, was Passions de la Passiones. I'm probably horribly mangling that. I don't speak any Spanish, unfortunately. And in that game, we were playing... Well, we were all playing employees at this hotel. And the, the owner of the hotel just recently died. And we were all trying to sort out with each other who the who was going to inherit basically the business. I was the evil twin of the hotel's like uh, dirty deeds expert. <laughs> so my <laughs> whole plan was just foil whatever he had going on. Uh, that was also a blast. The GM there had like appropriate music cues like, lined up on his phone. <laughs> <laughs> that that was great, and then I played Swords of the Serpentine. Uh, it's everything you expect. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, Conan in Lankmar and also Venice. We fought some snake monsters. <laughs> we we bribed a priest, which was a holy action. We were in sewers. We were in canals. I rolled many ones and spent many points. <laughs> It was a great time. I wanted to play Rocket Age, which is a game that is relatively old as dirt. I think it came out in 2010 or something like that. It is a game, uh, a retro future game, where uh, instead of World War II happening, uh, all those countries went into space instead. But all those tensions still remain. But uh, I was dead-ass tired Sunday morning, so I did not make it to that game. <laughs> You'll have that. I mean, we did kind of fill our dance card pretty heavily. Yeah. Yeah, it was a good time. That's what I like about going to Gen Con, playing stuff you don't normally get an opportunity to play. I have yet to have a, a bad experience with the GM at Gen Con. I've had a few mediocre ones, but no bad ones. You mentioned Brenda Wood Bay and Passions. And yeah, that anytime you want to do either one of those two, I am down because I want to be the Golden Girls and Murder She Wrote or a an evil twin. Yeah. Your twin uh, have a mustache show. I think it's what, what all of our listeners are wanting to hear. So the the twin, even though he was the dirty deeds expert, he was the better of the two twins. I was the one with the, like the darker hair. And, and more slick down and darker clothes, no mustache. Mm. Mm. <laughs> what are you supposed to twirl if you have no mustache? Well, that's when you twirl the end of your beard. Mm. Jeremy, I know you were kind of doing everything kind of on the fly. Of what? Well, how was your four days of gaming? What did you get to? What do you see? What did you get to do? What, what do you enjoy? Uh, 
my my Gen Con was literally it was kind of a spur of the moment thing. Like I said, I didn't realize that it was as close as it was, and I just ended up happen happening into a ticket and a place to stay and a few other things. Just everything kind of shifted into place, which was nice and very unexpected. But the main reason that I went, and honestly, the only reason I went was just to see you guys. Um, as as sappy as it sounds, if it wasn't for the people, Gen Con would be it for me. Uh, I love I love going around seeing all the new shiny trinkets, but at the end of the day, I just want to see you guys and hang out and share a meal and play a game and and have some laughs. There was a few things that I, that caught my eye that I didn't end up purchasing that um, I ended up passing on, but I, I do definitely have a an eye for. It was uh, the Marvel RPG that came out. It was very very cool. Got a chance to talk to the designer. And um, the Marvel RPG, which was a new system that was designed for Marvel Comics. And it was a very, very honestly streamlined version of an RPG that I honestly hadn't seen done as well in uh, in theory as the way it was expected to me. Because generally a, a superhero RPG tends to fall apart either in character creation or combat. And this one seemed very smooth as far as it's a point by system and you can kind of create anything you want. Yeah. But other than that, um, there was a, there was a board game called stuff of legends that sounded really fun. It was think if anybody that's listening has played Battlestar Galactica, it's kind of it with the serial numbers ripped off, but instead of Cylons, you're playing, or Cylons and humans, you're playing as against the boogeyman and your stuffed animals trying to save a child from be, that was kidnapped by the boogeyman. Mm-hmm. It's the same. You have you have traitor cards, and you're either working for the boogeyman or the or the the child trying to get him back. So that was pretty cool. And then there was a game called Thunder Road that's been kind of the the darling of everybody's gaming list here recently. That's a reprint of an old game where it's vehicular combat where you're just bouncing people off of a off of an oval track. And everybody I talked to just gushed about that game. And it's a little on the pricey side right now, but so give it a little bit, but it sounds like crazy stupid fun and that's all I'm about. And but other than that, I just kind of wandered around. Uh, I ran into one of my cousins, and she asked me what I was doing, and I said nothing, just wandering. And she said, "Well, that's pure chaos, so that sounds about right." <laughs> and, <laughs> um, but yeah, the the rest of the time it was just spending time with you guys, having some laughs, and sharing some meals. And yeah. I mean, other than and I mean, that was it. I didn't walk away with anything except for good memories and and a good time. I think I would be remiss if I didn't thank our, our Patreon subscribers. Uh, I was able to, a short number of us here this year, even though we're kind of saving up for website fees, uh, we have typically made a point the past couple of Gen Cons of going down to India Garden, which is a few blocks away from the convention center. Uh, just a, a nice silent reprieve. Uh, unfortunately, David, that like we did that, we, we had that pretty much the only open time was when you guys were doing your LARP. So I did, didn't get to drag you on that. I do apologize for that. Would have loved to have had you, but we drove, we went down, didn't drive, but we walked down to India Garden. And thank you. Thanks for our Patreon subscribers. Uh, Joe and Jeremy and I were able to just kind of take a break from it all. And, uh, 
enjoy good Indian food and good company. Yes, definitely. Thank you very much for that. Um, we we definitely appreciate you guys. That uh, we appreciate all the listeners, but the Patreon definitely let us share a few minutes and just chat amongst ourselves and have a good time and share a good meal. And also, if you're ever in India, Indianapolis, go to India Garden. You won't be disappointed. Yeah, I missed it the last time, and uh, I hope that there will be a next time. Let, let's just put it that way. Yeah. At some point in time, we got to try that place out because I know I'm a little bit vanilla in my tastes, and but I can tear some chicken tikka masala up. Well, don't get the spicy. I, everybody else got the regular. Or, or, was it chicken masala that we got, or what was it? Yeah, chicken tikka masala. All three of us went the same one, and we all of us all got different uh, different spices. Spice so levels. You went, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I went hot, and I made that man earned his tip because he kept bringing me water. I mean, I, I didn't want to. I, mean, I was already committed, you know. I had to, I had to see it through. It, it, it was well, good. Let's be fair. It you have to get used to what the scale is on the spice in some of the restaurants because in a lot of them it goes from mild, which is hmm. I think that there might have been some spices waved vaguely in the direction of this dish once upon a time. <laughs> to mild medium which is a step up and it goes immediately from that into show us on the doll where the di- where the spices touched you <laughs> it was, it was i can light this match from across the room what's this <laughs> does anybody need to do some welding all i need to do is just breathe in that general direction something it occurred to me joe would jeremy rivera on this one too i think this is when you were eating on the th- Saturday night, but Jeremy invited me to join him at the uh, charity auction that they have at Gen Con, and nice. I didn't even know that was a thing, but we kind of got to walk in there, and uh, I mean, it was all for a charity, and the, the MCs or the auctioneers, if you would, were made it quite enjoyable. There was, what was it about the uh, Flames of the uh, Lamentations of the Flame Princess? What was that? You had a funny little take on that. Oh, they, uh, it was that wasn't during the charity auction, but I was sitting there kind of chilling out and watching them do their thing. And Lamentations of the Flame Princess came up, and they didn't really know what to do with that game. Uh, they were reading the card of it. I can't, I wished I could remember what they said, but the card that was written for it, the guy was the guy who goes, I will give someone an extra dollar if they hand me a bottle of Purell right now. <laughs> and, um, there was another one that was just as bad that was like, I can't remember. It was a an evening. Uh, it's like called like an evening to remember or something like that. And it actually had a little cardboard shit of what was essentially KY. And the guy was basically staring at it like it was in horror and amusement at the same time. <laughs> I think Joe was here for this one too. I know he kind of cut out a little bit early on that on the auction, but the the cutest thing I saw up there was this uh, father. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> the, they were. It was like a, a a print of like all these. They called it pocket monsters, and then I realized it was Pokemon after the man won it. But his son yeah. wanted it, and his father just raised his hand up in the air and just like cradles his head against his arm, like like someone was going to hit him. And as everybody was bidding, and it got over a hundred dollars, he's just sitting there, just kind of like waiting to be struck. I mean, he got it. He sure did. Even the auctioneers noticed. Because they were like, look, that's a father right there. He's just holding his hand up, waiting for everybody to put their hand down. 
Good solid bidding. <laughs> oh, I didn't mention this beforehand too. I think I'll, I'll add this in real quick before we uh, go to David. Uh, my daughter says I mentioned before him, my wife did cosplay. My Otis was a, a fan of anime and she dressed as like a buck. I think Bakugo or Bakugo or whatever. Bakugo. Yeah. Bakugo. My wife did like a really elaborate one like that. So we did the, the cosplay parade and my younger daughter who was eight years old dressed like, and a couple of people picked up on it and it was so awesome. It made her really happy, but apparently there's a character on YouTube called TV woman. It's a woman with a TV for a head. And I, I had no idea what it was, but uh, other people knew it and all that. So there's apparently two lines for the cosplay parade. And we got into one that was the non-judged one. And my daughter's mode was a tad bit apprehensive, uh, large crowds and all that. And she took off her like grenade-like gauntlets that her character had, and I carried them with her. But we got the parade through there. And... I mean, I've watched the cosplay parade, and I always thought it was amazing. But you all really, to really appreciate it, just seeing the the look on people's faces when they're watching everybody as you're walking through the line. Now, here I am wearing, like, uh, some kind of rock band T-shirt of some sort, I'm sure, knowing me. And all that, but with my daughters that were dressed up and just looking at people are complimenting them and, you know, and stuff like of encouragement to them. And just the smiles on everyone's faces was... It was amazing. I wish I know David was in the crowd. I I looked for him, but I I didn't see him. And I can uh, tell you why. <laughs> David was literally two people next to me. <laughs> yeah. He saw me. So Christy and I um, figured out where the parade was going to be, and we were looking for a spot on the route. And we um, we basically um, asked these two elderly ladies if it was okay if we sat next to them because uh, this is where the parade was going to come through. And the one said, oh, yes, this is the perfect spot for the route. Why don't you just sit right next to us, sweetie? And um, she had her son grab a chair for Christy from the other side of one of the Catan tables and just bring it around. And so we're sitting, we're chatting. Um, I'll, I'll be completely honest this is one of the reasons why i love going to gen con is because i get to pick up the lovely stories of the people and i feel everybody's got a story in this case these are a pair of ladies who remembered gaming once upon a time with gary gygax that's how long they've been playing dungeons and dragons Mm -hmm. and um the one had just started playing some stuff with Pathfinder, and she was super enthusiastic about Pathfinder scenarios. And we got to talking about goblins as a player. Um, meanwhile, while we're doing this, Christy has started playing the uh, pin game that they had for Catan, which they would give you a little envelope that had five different resource pins, right? And so she's polling the crowd, trying to get pins. I'm talking to this sweet little old lady, and she goes, oh, are you playing the Catan game? Well, hang on. Let me take a look here in my pouch. Okay, so I've got these extras. All you need now is a sheep, honey. (laughs) That's adorable. (laughs) And the reason why you didn't see me from the cosplay parade, because I was right there at the very end of the room, um, sitting next to Christy, we had these three guys that just came and stood directly in front of us. And the one turns back and sees me and he goes, Oh, I'm sorry. Am I in your way? I see you're being boxed out. 
I have never in my life been this direct or blunt. It's like, oh, I'm sorry, am I in your way? Yes. And he he moved. So I had one guy that moved, and I pulled forward a little bit so that I was up there. I saw you as you passed, but for the most part, I got to catch a tiny glimpse of the costumes in the tiny opening that I just kind of shoved between the sea of people. <laughs> and the folks that just parked themselves directly in front of we were sitting there for a good 20 minutes before the parade started. And then these last minute folks just stood directly in front of us. Like we hadn't been sitting there. Mm. And that's the thing that mm, frost my cupcakes. Hey, Christy. Uh, welcome. We were just kind of moving along here, but uh, kind of came to, you joined us at a good time. I'd like to hear uh, you and David's take on your magical four games of gaming. We're very fortunate right now. Christy was able to join us, and he picked a good time to jump in. We wanted to talk with you and David about your four days of Gen Con experience. It's like more less swag right now, but more so about your um, like you know overall experience and what fun you had. Oh, I had a lot of fun on it. You know, I think the most important thing is going with people you know and are friends with. But also, it's great meeting the new people, too. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. So, had quite a bit of fun, um, just, like, on the road trip up. In Effingham, Illinois, there's this (laughs) giant cross. (laughs) Giant cross just sticking up out of the ground. And that put me in mind of a song that one of our friends, Brandon, hadn't heard before, which is called... Big Butter Jesus by Haywood Banks. Yep. <laughs> so got to have the joy of introducing him to that and had him singing along with the chorus by, by the end of it. <laughs> In Southern Ohio. Ohio. <laughs> I, got to, I got to see Big Dirt Butter Jesus before he burned down. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, it was sad when it got struck by lightning, but it was also very, very, uh, very fitting. That's <laughs> when it caught on fire. It looked like the Terminator exoskeleton. <laughs> it really did. Oh, shoot. So what games did y'all take part, uh, get to play? Let's see here. Which all ones did we do? I know we did the one RPG together on the tabletop. That one uh, was uh, Good Strong Hands. Yeah, good strong hands. That that was a really nice game. We we almost broke the GM on that. <laughs> Adam got to see the breaking. It was yeah. That one was kind of glorious. He was doing a sides to me as I was sitting there figuring out that I wasn't supposed to be there. He he'd look over at me and go, "Well, you see when I run a game." <laughs> so I I distinctly remember asking him at one point. So if I go underground. And dig up these crystals. Will that help heal this item? And he looked me dead in the eyes and said, Don't you ever tell my wife I just said this, but yes. <laughs> that sounds hey, odd for listen to us. <laughs> eh, better than average. <laughs> to be fair, it was good, strong hands. Um, they are... Um, a smaller game company, and I don't know who they are off the top of my head, but I can find out and put it in the show links. Okay. But um, 
I really do love one of the things that they did, which was uh, they did this game to preview uh, the new book, uh, Shadows and Darkness, I think it's called. And because we had played in the game, uh, they gave us a coupon for um, a small percentage off of the base game and from the expansion. And so I went to the booth to get both of them. And since I forgot the coupon, they asked us, could we, can they asked me, can I tell them about the session? And so I proceeded to tell them about it and um, mentioned what we had done to break poor Kevin. And that's when they went, you know what? That's good enough for us. Um, also, that is hilarious what you did to Kevin. Because <laughs> at one point we were there to fix the runestone and we'd run into an NPC. And I mentioned that we were the runestone repair techs. We were with the union. <laughs> and that was the point where Christy just kind of looks over and goes, but I've been paying you union dues. You mean this union card isn't real? And <laughs> that's when he just put his head onto the table and just started quietly laughing and or sobbing. I'm not sure which. Why not both? Little A, little B. And that one was great. Um, we had also signed up to play a board game. And didn't realize it at the time when we booked it because we thought that it looked like a fun little game, but I had seen the Kickstarter for it. And this is one that Christy had talked me out of because, and I quote, you've got enough board games on the board game shelf. Are we going to actually play this one? And I went, I don't know. I, I, I would really like to play it before I decide whether or not to buy it. And it's a good thing that we played it because it has so many moving parts. And while we had a fun little game of it, um, it's one that I've ultimately decided is a meh, not for full price, but if we find it in the consignment shop in later years, maybe. Beautiful artwork on it, though. Very, oh, the very artwork nice. was gorgeous. But it was a worker placement slash um, deck drafting slash tile placement uh, game. And I think that the lady that was pulling up to the table after we were leaving just kind of said, so what is this? And when I described all of the elements to it, she's like, oh, so it's a potpourri game. A little bit of everything, all thrown into a pot. It's like, yes, that that is a very apt description. It doesn't know which of these things it wants to be. You also really had to pay close attention because there is one mechanic that had you going clockwise around the table and the other one had you going counterclockwise around the table. So if this is not a game to play if you can't concentrate just enough to keep track of which way goes which one. We also did the LARP. So you did a LARP? Mm-hmm. So it's one of the uh, Gen Con traditions, for, for me at least, is that I will get into a LARP um, at least once a Gen Con. Because that's like the one type of game that I can't play here in Springfield. And I love all games. Board games, card games, tabletop games. And Christy is much like me. She may seem sweet and lovely and innocent. But if you put a meeple in that woman's hand, <laughs> the claws come out. <laughs> sure. Just keep telling yourself that. <laughs> So what was the LARP? What were you all doing? Well, um, this one was a Call of Cthulhu LARP uh, set in the Great Depression. 
and it was at the Yellow Sign Hotel where the governor had uh, learned how to turn lead into gold. And so we basically got to participate in this lovely dinner party of alchemy and intrigue. And it was it was kind of glorious. Um, it was me and Christy and Greg. And Greg didn't do as well with it because I, I should have warned him ahead of time that this is Elder Entertainment. And they are great at making the LARPs. But one of the things is that there is going to be conflict. Everybody has at least a tiny level of conflict with someone else. And Greg is non-confrontational almost to a fault. He is one of the sweetest people. And that was just a little bit outside of his comfort zone. And we didn't find out until we got into the middle of the LARP. But to his credit, though, um, and I say this entirely out of love, um, while Greg is trying to hold it together and is quietly losing his mind, in real life, um, Quite a few people in the LARP thought that he was just a really, really good actor and thought that that was some amazing role play until they realized it was for real. And then all of a sudden, like every face fell at once. They're like, oh shit. And so he did have to leave us at one point. But up until then, it was. Yeah. It was great. Um, let's see. Christy got to play the police commissioner's wife to Greg's police commissioner. Um, I was the governor's political advisor, or as I put it, it's like, wait a minute, they want me to play the evil cripple. I'm going to play the evil cripple. <laughs> and then I just embraced the role wholeheartedly. I had a half a second of how dare they assume. And then I just leaned right into it. I'm like, I'm already thinking about how to work dead hookers into a conversation. This is great. This is fine. <laughs> no, to be fair. They did say at the wrap-up that it was like, we didn't mean for you to be, like, evil, evil. We would just wanted you to be able to be an advisor and people would come to you so you wouldn't have to go around the place and go to everybody else. They'd come to you while you were able to be comfortable. So you did kind of take on Evil Cripple onto yourself. <laughs> well, to be fair, political advisor is not exactly going to be the most... Um, how how do I put this? The most moral and upstanding of peoples. Right, look, man, we all have callings, David. I think you found yours. <laughs> I really have. Like, at one point, I had one of the gangsters just look at me and go, "What? what in the world is happening here? Because I had gone over to him and I said, okay, I need you to understand that the secretary has to die and it has to look accidental. I don't care how many times she falls down those stairs tonight. She is going to have a fatal fall down the stairs if it takes nine times. Do you understand <laughs> me? And I also made the mistake because it's the governor's secretary is the one that needs to die. She was, sir, not appearing in this film. Um, her player had had um, a rough day earlier and was sick and was unable to make it. The um, senator's secretary was present, and I made a mistake between the secretaries. And when I was talking to the gal who was playing the governor's wife, she points out the, the error of my ways. And I'm like, I need to take a moment. I went over and I talked to the to the gangsters who were also my hitmen. And I'm like, um, ixnay on the it hey, um, wrong secretary. 
It's like, well, that was, that's good. That was about to be awkward. <laughs> and so that came out at the very end. It's like, I almost put out an assassination hit on the wrong secretary. Whoopsie doodle. <laughs> Joe, do you realize while we were eating a calming meal, he was plotting murder? <laughs> I mean, that's not really a surprise. <laughs> And meanwhile, Christy actually carried out a murder in that uh, by very quietly bashing a guy in the head with a beer bottle twice. Yes, but he had it coming. He's the one who made, he did the magic that actually made the void appear and start sucking us into it. So my poor little innocent housewife theorized, maybe if he dies, we all survive this. And he Not unreasonable. Yeah, perfectly reasonable, especially when you've taken several hits to your sanity as a poor little housewife. And, you know, he went under a table, and it's like, oh, look, I've got this beer bottle in my hand that I've been holding on to since all this started, and I think he needs to go so we can all live. It didn't work, but I certainly killed him. <laughs> you never trust someone that backhands a bottle. You just don't do it. Oh, yeah. Well, well and to anyway. be fair, um, that was the weapon that Christy could get her hands on. The entire time, I have a gun in my pocket as part of my starting gear. And I'm also leaning on my cane. And the line that comes up is like, well, wait a minute. Where where did she get a weapon? It's like, well, somebody gave her a beer bottle. And they're like, oh, yeah, th those bottles weren't even supposed to be in this LARP. They were supposed to be in the other one. I seized the murder weapon. We had some good Sprecher root beer that just came to us and almost caused an existential crisis for the poor guy who was the inn owner. Because one of his big uh, things is that during this time of bootlegging, he has basically run a dry inn the entire time. We've got a couple of people from the Treasury Service, and all of a sudden the beer just comes rolling in, and he's like, what is happening here? Sounds like y'all had a pretty good time on that one there. Yes, and it's the same group that did Beach Blanket Biaki years ago, and you know how much I love that one. Yeah, I've heard you talk about it before. And funnily enough, they there were people there from Beach Blanket Biaki who actually remembered me. That's awesome. It's good to be remembered. It really is. And they said that if I make it to another one, or if they're doing a LARP that is anywhere close, they promised that they would write a part specifically for me on the next one. That's, that's awesome. Yeah, that is pretty cool. And I went on to uh, play another game that no one else played with me, uh, another just a uh, board game style called The Quick and the Undead, which, you know... Only two of us showed up, four, and then we got lucky enough that four random people walked by at the right time so we could suck them into the game. And that one was a lot of fun. It It's one I would probably... I kind of regret not picking it up at this point. Okay. What was it called again? The Quick and the Undead. Oh, it was like a Western or something? Yeah, I was about to say that sounds like Western gunslingers meet zombies. That's pretty but you much. You just heard all of us go. Hmm? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you're basically in an old west town that's got zombies, 
and you want to gain notoriety by killing off zombies. So you're doing your best to take down these zombies before the other people can take down these zombies. And, oh, your your minion got shot? I'm so sorry about that. That gets me notoriety, too. Thank you. Oh, look, now there's another zombie in the streets because I accidentally killed your guy. Hmm. You'll have that. <laughs> Sounds so, pretty good. Yeah, that one was pretty that good. Like I, a good time. Yeah, I should I should go ahead and probably look that one up and maybe think about it yeah. if I can find space on my shelves. Oh, you, there's always room. You've got to make it. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I know I kind of alluded to this a tad bit beforehand about my purchases. I know I've, I mentioned I picked up uh, Dream Hands a pair, excuse me. Took me a moment to recollect that, but I did a fairly decent job of limiting myself, and though I do regret it in a way too on certain things I didn't buy. I I looked at I always go to the indie booths because I enjoy a lot of those t- types of titles, and I swung by I think it was Indie Revolution, and they had a copy of a western. You know, kind of going with what Christy was talking about. I love westerns. They have one called uh, We Sell Lead. Now, I'd seen that some whoever owns this had been advertising it pretty heavily on my Facebook feed. Like, I've looked at it several times. Like, I want to buy that. And it's kind of, you know, Weird West, uh, Dark Tower type of game. So they actually had the physical copy there. I haven't uh, got the PDF, but when you purchase from these places, they'll give you a business card, and you basically just email them. Tell them that you purchased it, provide some type of proof, and they'll give you a PDF. So I'm looking forward to that. But I got, uh, we we deal lead, I think is what it was called. I'll have to double check my notes here real quick. And I also picked up a copy of Orbital Blues. Now, I thought I was being very avant-garde with Orbital Blues. I looked at it, I was like, man, this is a, it's, it's kind of like a Cowboy Bebop style space opera western kind of game. I was like, man, this is so awesome. And then I tell Joe, and Joe's like, yeah, I bought that last year. So... <laughs> yeah, it's pretty I th- good. I, I think I need to go to Joe because he picked up some good. I, mean, I don't want to kind of go into too much of it. I don't want to tell Joe's story for him, but he picked up another good title. It kind of caught my fancy here. So, like I said, I got the the Dreamhounds. I got We Deal Lead. I picked up Orbital Blues, and then wandering around to our friends at Free League. But by friends, I mean the men that I inadvertently intimidated by offering them a knife to open a box last year. Though I didn't do the same thing this year. Though I offered an American vendor, and he was he gladly accepted the blade. But I picked. <laughs> <laughs> he had no hangups. I swung by. They did. Ha- I have everything that's false and that they had released. And I mean, the big thing that Free League was selling this year was Dragon Bane. That was one of their big ones here. I didn't go through it. I went ahead instead and picked up Into the Odd, which is, uh, well, you're living on kind of a weird dying world or a weird world is built upon older civilizations and kind of venturing out and getting those relics from that past that are bizarre. So I picked up It and Death in Space, which is Morkborg in Space. So that was my two free league purchases. I wanted to pick up a set of Austin dice. Davis heard me lament that I didn't have those. 
they had a set there on Friday. When I came back Saturday, they were sold out. Shows me to have went ahead and purchased them. And then as I was leaving, I, I did one last Deer Hall run on Sunday, and I found a copy of Mutant City Blues, a Pilgr- another Pilgrim Press game, which is a procedural kind of cop investigation of mutants. And I picked it up for $10 again. So, which is great because something I want to mention to people if you've went to Gen Con in the past or even Origins, they Pell Green typically has got this great deal where it's like buy two, get one free. Well, the economy and the way things are, that, that was switched this year to buy four, get one free. So, they kind of amended it. It's still a pretty decent deal. You get a free game that, I mean, they're selling the prices. Their prices are fair anyway, but the deal kind of changed, but they didn't, you know. Things change, you got folks. I think the reason I mentioned that is because I didn't get a bag with my purchase and I didn't bring my backpack to the hall. So I made sure to avoid the Pelgrim booth because they were selling it at full price. And I didn't want to walk by with that book and be like, hey, guy, did you, you know, I didn't want to have that conversation. So I, I avoided the Pelgrim folks just, you know, out of respect. Joe, I know that uh, I gave you kind of a nice little introduction build up about how you're ahead of the curve picking up games that I'm going to find next year and show to you and <laughs> know that I'm a day late and it's hour short. What did you pick up this year? Uh, well, I got a number of things. Um, I picked up the second edition of uh, the one ring from really. Uh, I picked up the 40th anniversary of Harn world. Uh, I've been looking at Harn for a long time. Finally got around to getting it. Uh, this is just a setting book though. It's supposed to be uh, <laughs> system free. Usable with any system. And uh, I picked up a number of games in the consignment hall when I went with David. <laughs> the King is Dead by uh, V. Uh, I'm sorry. Vincent Baker. And uh, the Shadow of the Emperor, uh, which all I needed to read on that to pick it up was... Uh, you're in the, the medieval court of uh, the Holy Roman Empire. And I'm like, purchased. <laughs> Done. <laughs> Have not even opened it yet. <laughs> <laughs> and a, uh, uh, what is the name of that game? Uh, Shinobi Clans? Shinobi Clans. Oh. All right. <laughs> Which I also have not yet opened. Uh, but the game I'm most excited about uh, is, so in the vendor hall, uh, this year, I realized that Osprey Publishing has a game imprint. They do board, card games, and role-playing games, and war games. Uh, Osprey Publishing is mostly known for its uh, military publishing books. Uh, I mean, they do all kinds of crazy... At least that's what I'm familiar with them for. It's like, uh, they do publishing on military campaigns in actual history. Uh, And I saw these role-playing game books, and I was like, oh, what are these? Uh, The one I was most excited by and purchased was uh, uh, Gran Mechanismo, which is uh, described as clock-punk role-playing in Da Vinci's Florence. I was like, well, that's that's exactly my shit, so I purchased it. (laughs) uh, And I read it. I finished reading it before I got home. It's not very long, and it seems like a cool system, so I definitely want to read a game in it. And uh, that game was so cool, I purchased the other two books they had there, sight unseen. 
<laughs> to be fair, you had me a clock punk. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's one that I'm going to look for next year. Be like, hey Joe, have you heard of this? <laughs> uh, I also b- bought Hard City, which is a noir game. Have not opened it yet. Uh, and Crescendo of Violence, also a noir game, except this one is in the future. Ooh. The art for Crescendo of Violence. If the cover art is anything like the interior art, the art is going to be amazing. And that's mostly my my purchases. Uh, boy, Grand Mechanismo is going to make an appearance on this podcast at some point. Uh, I hope you're hope you're ready for it. <laughs> <laughs> awesome! Looking forward to it. Yeah, not to skip over you, Jeremy. I know we kind of established that you were you were there. For oh, the I got social. nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, you got memories, sir. You got memories. I got memories. I'm old, so that's all I need. So, how about how about you, Christy and David? What, what did you have to cram back into the to the vehicle to take back to God's country? Oh, uh, first off, our friends uh, Adam and Jen Cashler were also here. Uh, Jen managed to take third place in the costume contest with her Kenku. Ooh. So she did really, really good. Like the mouth moved when she spoke. So it was, it was a beautiful little mechanism. We'll have to get the pictures, but um, they let us know that they had extra storage available in the back of their vehicle. Like the entire back seat was open. So he said, good. Can we give you some of our stuff to take back with you? And thus we all like, Greg and Christy and I all kind of had the goblet eyes for just a moment of, we can bring back stuff, <laughs> which was dangerous. I know that I got far too many board games, far too many books, but um, I tried to keep the profiles down, and I know that I'm going to be re-Jenga-ing my uh, game shelf just to fit some of these in. But I got a copy of Shiner by Wham Wham Games. I got a lovely game about um, raccoons and possums communicating with each other through the shared medium of cool stuff we found in the dump. Uh, That game is called Trash Talk, and their booth was good enough for me to want to buy their game. They were selling out of a giant dumpster with a huge uh, plush possum sticking out of the top of it, and so Mm -hmm. I kind of had to. But that one also came with uh, bonus cards for a game that they have called Monstrosity, where basically you get to play a police sketch artist in their cryptid division. And one player actually saw the monster and the rest of you are trying to sketch it from their brief description. And so since there were promo cards for it, I thought, why not buy the game? Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's see. In the consignment room... um, Joe found the game that I had really been wanting to get. It was the one big one from the Bezier Games uh, library that I haven't actually picked up. And that's called Favor of the Pharaoh. It's a dice drafting game. And Joe was the one that found it and went, is this the one you're looking for? And I'm like, yes, yes, that is. So thank you, Joe, for going to the assignment room with me because you were awesome. No problem. And then... Old Gods of Appalachia. I picked up Good Strong Hands because we had so much fun playing it, and it was on sale. Um, I was gifted a very lovely book of poetry 
uh, called Gay Poems for Red States by a very dear friend who happens to be in chat. <laughs> Glad you enjoyed it. And there is a poem in here that I'm going to read real quick because it definitely fit for our hotel. Oftentimes, the road home will lead you to a place you've never been before. We went back to that hotel, to and from the convention center to the hotel, nine times on eight different routes. Mm -hmm. Because Siri couldn't make up her mind. <laughs> but um, that's mostly it. I've got Old Gods of Appalachia sitting on my shelf, because of course I do. Yeah. Oh, and the last one, because I have to tell the story one more time, I picked up a copy of Mutants in the Now for our good friend Tom Church. And while I was getting the game and having the book dedicated to him, um, I managed to persuade Julian Kay to join me in a quick speakerphone call to Tom. And he was so delighted with this phone call that Tom was struck dumb. He he was rendered speechless for a good 30 seconds, and then he was, thank you? <laughs> and then, uh, upon arriving home, he said, now you know, this means that we're going to have to play the game now. <laughs> because not only did I get him mutants in the now, which is the current game, but um, I was also able to get, or to persuade Julian to let me get Tom an advanced copy of Mutants in the Next, which is out now, as soon as the Kickstarter fulfills. So mm -hmm. the printers are sending, and as soon as they arrive, um, Tom officially has his purchased copy of Mutants in the Next signed. That's it's awesome. I think I would be remiss if I didn't plug my friend's book real quick. That The one David is speaking of is uh, Gay Poems for Red States. It's by my friend Willie Edward Taylor Carver Jr. He, uh, I worked, I went to college with him, and we worked together for a decade in the school system. And it's, uh, he was Kentucky Teacher of the Year, I think twenty twenty one, and uh, a great advocate for gay rights. And uh, I think this entire book of poetry started out with him sitting down to write uh, the, the superintendent of our school a letter. And instead of it being an actual letter, it just the his muse hit him, and he sat down and wrote a poem. He did not send it to the superintendent, but uh, it it was one poem that spawned a book of poetry. So uh, I'll, I'll definitely include Willie's book, uh, "Gay Poems for Red States," and a link in the show notes. But it, he's an amazing person, and it's a, it's a beautiful book of poetry, and I recommend it for everyone. As do I. I've been, I fell down this particular rabbit hole today, and I don't want to come out of the of the hole. Like yeah. I've I've been out for decades at this point, but you, you you get what I'm saying. Yeah, Christy, how about yourself? What'd you end up with? Well, probably not quite as good of grabs as some of you gentlemen got. Um, I did get some shiny click clack rocks. I got some lapis lazuli dice. And some blue sandstone dice. Um, as far as board games go, I did see one that I picked up co called Quaddle. C-O-A-T-L, like Get Quaddle. Mm -hmm. On there, which 
I'm looking forward to because it's got where you're actually making a Quetzalcoatl, one of the feathered snakes. Yeah. You've actually got pieces to make it with. Oh, that's cool. It looks pretty fascinating on there. I also, they had a Toys for Tots booth there. Basically, you donated a certain amount and you got your choice of one of two small games, one of two medium games, one of two large games, and then you got a surprise mystery game. And I popped down 90 bucks on that. Um, one of the games I chose that I think was the most fascinating to me of the choice games was called Panorama. And it's got some very nice artwork. You're basically building a panorama with cards in it. Mm -hmm. And it's got animals and landscape and campfire. And you just gain points depending on where things are located compared to the other ones. So I picked that one up. And then my surprise one looks wonderful. It's called Black Orchestra. And it's a board game where you're basically trying to avoid the Gestapo and assassinate the Fuhrer. And it's actually based on real heroes and events from World War II. Yeah. So I'm actually really looking forward to that because it looks like it's got some good historical stuff in it. It's got some great artwork on it. So I'm looking forward to that one. Awesome. I really need to branch out into the board games section. I never, I never really get to play board games. Of course, I did play a, I did play a card game with Joe, <laughs> and then I went out and bought the card game with Joe from last year. Yeah. Again, Joe, I'm just gonna follow you like a like one of those little fish that follow sharks and kind of <laughs> gobble up games behind you. Like, look cool. But yeah, I definitely need to branch out into board gaming. So you're his remora. Yeah. <laughs> well, folks, I thank you all so much. I, I had a great time up at Gen Con, and it was a pleasure. I know I've mentioned it several times in the past, Christy. It was a pleasure to get to meet you. I hope that we can do this again sometime soon, like maybe Indianapolis this time next year. I hope so. It was great meeting all you folks, and it was yeah. really a great first Gen Con. Yeah. I'm glad you had a good time. Mm-hmm. Definitely looking forward to doing it again. And for for those of you at home, thank you so much for tuning in and sharing in our memories and our, our recollections, which is just basically me saying memories all over again. But yeah, thank you all so much. If this is your first time listening, you can find us at www.roleplayingexchange.com. We're on. We're also on Facebook, which is facebook.com slash the roleplaying exchange. Excuse me and. I am. I'm, I refuse to call it X. So I am on Twitter at uh, at RP Exchange, and yeah, that's probably the best place to find it until I set up a blue check, uh, not blue check mark, whatever, whatever the alternative turd. What is it called? Threads. Red the face the Facebook version of Twitter. Yeah, Threads. <laughs> well, we'll make it. Uh, Guys, I'm 43 years old. Like, I'm starting to get to that age where technology kind of is starting to elude me a, a tad bit. So, 
we'll branch out. But if you if you like what you're listening to, please come check us out there. And if you would like to help us buy Indian food next year, uh, you can go to our patreon.com slash the real point exchange. And we have a few tiers. And if you, you know, throw a few bucks to us to help us keep the posting, hosting bills at bay. And if you like our other show, we post on real point exchange, uh, RPX row up where we do character row ups, which I'm sure we will be doing one, one of these days for that Da Vinci steampunk Florence game that Joe was talking about. Uh, oh yes. Clock punk anything is going to be good. Oh, it's going to be so mm-hmm. awesome. But we've also got to roll up mutants because how else is Moose Lee going to see the light of day, Adam? Oh, God, yeah. That's what that's, that's, some of the con- that's some of the content that we had to cut from this that we were going to talk about character creation for mutants and ma- uh, mutants. Uh, what was it called again? Uh, mutants in the now. Mutants in the now was, uh, <laughs> martial arts characters uh, for like Bach Lesnar, Moose Lee, uh, well, there's, there's a couple other ones. But hey, if you want those episodes, you want them four months before they hit the radio syndication, go check out our Patreon. Once again, thank you all for joining, and thanks for my co host for helping me out here. It's been fun making memories with you. And until next time, we'll see you all later. Goodbye. Sleep well. Bye, y'all. Good night. There's no rest.